0: The
1: Midday Report I'm Mandy Wiener. Keep listening as we round up the key stories affecting your world with interviews with newsmakers, in-depth analysis and eyewitness news reporters on the ground. The Midday
0: Report
2: Dr. Nandi Pamakutumana is back in the news. She's seeking leave to appeal the High Court dismissal of her urgent application to declare her arrest and extradition in Tanzania as unlawful. That matter is sitting in the Free State High Court. Remember in June, the High Court ruled that her removal to South Africa uh, did amount to a disguised extradition, which is in breach of the Constitution and international law. But... They said she had consented to her return. Her counsel, which includes senior counsel Anton Katz, is expected to argue over that issue. Can a person consent to unconstitutional conduct by the state? To discuss that story, I'm joined in studio by EWN's Benedict Wicks. Benedict, thank you so much for joining me. I wasn't, I was surprised. Actually, let me go back. I was surprised that she had lost the matter in the first place. I thought they'd made a compelling case around the issue of disguised extradition. I didn't
3: see the issue of consent. Being the key argument or key key issue, sticking mm. issue. I don't think that it was initially the key sort of sticking issue, um, and and you, they did make very strong arguments about um, the way she was returned to South Africa. So you remember, obviously, the state's position was that she was deported, and and the court found with Dr. Nandipa Magadumana's um, legal team that in fact this was actually a disguised extradition, and the proper protocol wasn't wasn't followed um so they did agree with her on that point but as you say what they found essentially was that she had apparently told everyone who would listen that she wanted to come home she wanted to be with her children she missed her children and by doing that the court found she had given her consent so my understanding of the original finding is essentially that regardless of the fact that the way she was brought back here was unlawful she kind of waived any um Any issues with that Mm. That she might have had Mm. And today arguments Have been taking place In the high court What are we hearing? So the main argument Really is this question Of can you give consent To an illegality Um, And it's a question That according to her Her legal team um, Has kind of been Left hanging In a lot of cases That have been before the courts And so they say This is a really Important question um, Not just for this case But for cases more broadly They say um, We need to kind of Have clarity on this Their position of course is that you cannot consent to an illegality? So they say. First of all, they say she didn't provide her right, her consent in writing, which she would have had to have. But they say even if she did, she can't, no matter what she feels, consent to to something that's illegal or or unlawful or unconstitutional. Um. So it's really that's the question at the heart of all this. The state basically, their position is, and and what they argued in court today was that they don't see the basis for for what what the um what her team is saying. They don't see how what. How she consented to anything that was illegal Which is a strange position to take Considering the fact that the courts already found That it was unlawful um, That said, that's the position that the states take on Is there, the arguments concluded for the day? Has the matter rested or will there be more today? Um, arguments did Have concluded now for today And we're expecting a judgement early next week um, Her attorney, her advocate at least uh, Did make some closing remarks A short while ago and you can have a listen to that
4: All of the authorities Are dead against them all. Horseberry, Hartley, Dominowski, Kasseriano, Burgos, international law turns its face firmly against the conduct of the respondents. I don't mean to re-argue the point, my lord, but what is clear is that the protocol on extradition required the government, even if it wanted to act speedily, to seek a provisional arrest for Dr. Submit extradition submit an extradition request to Tanzania, and request the Tanzanian government that she be brought back quickly. It happens all the time. In fact, it happened in Spagni's case. The government could have done so, could have easily made an extradition request, telephoned through Interpol, made a request through Interpol saying, please arrest Dr. Magudamana, you'll have our formal extradition documents in the morning, have a speedy extradition inquiry, and ensure that she's back. They did not do so. They chartered a plane, they acting in contravention of horse ferry, Harkley, and all of those cases that I mentioned.
2: That uh, that that sound that you're hearing is from court proceedings in the Free State High Court, of course. There is where Dr. Nandipa Makutumana is challenging that issue around the illegal illegally, the legality of her extradition back to the country. The
0: midday report.
2: Another politician who's no stranger to the news and a lot of people are wondering where is he what's news what is he thinking of course following the con- court decision yesterday around whether or not former president Jacob Zuma should be going back to prison so I am speaking about the former president and we are joined now by the spokesperson of the Jacob Zuma Foundation Mzohanele Mangi, just to try and understand the whereabouts of the former president and what his, think- his thoughts are with yesterday's outcomes Mzohanele thank you so much for joining us first let's get confirmation on whether or not former president Jacob Zuma is well or unwell and whether or not he's in the country at the moment.
5: Uh, good afternoon, uh, CD and your listeners. Uh, yes, I can confirm that we just issued a statement uh, prior to me coming to you now uh, to confirm that, yes, indeed, his Excellency president Zuma is in Russia as we speak for medical attention. Uh, he left the country sometime last week or so and all that. And I just must take this opportunity here. To throw very strong objection to all the uh, nefarious insinuations, malicious insinuations that seem to link his being to Russia, with this uh, uh, upset, uh, by the way, the uh, concord ruling uh, on the on the on the. Uh, Correctional services uh, appeal, uh, as it were. The uh, are actually not linked. It's just uh, some coincidence of sorts, uh, as it were. in the President Zuma is everything but not a Sangoma. He would not have known last week <laughs> that uh, there would be such a, a ruling, and then decide to leave immediately. We'll get
2: uh, to that. We'll get to that. Do yeah. you have any idea when he'll be expect when he's expected back in the country?
5: He, only his doctors can uh, pronounce on that. I don't know. So his doctors will, will say that whenever he's, uh, he's fit to come back, he will be released at this point. Only his doctors would know.
2: General, has there been any thought given, though, pending, uh, following rather that constitutional court outcome where he dismissed an application by the Department of Correctional Services to appeal the Supreme Court uh, ruling that he must go back to jail? Has there been any thought as to what needs to happen next on his part?
5: Firstly, let's correct your incorrect statement. The Supreme Court of Appeal said nothing about President Zuma going back to jail. He didn't say anything of the sort. The
2: commissioner it's must anything. still make a decision, Zanele. That's neither here that, nor there. Let's speak a little bit about the constitutional it, court's it, outcomes
5: it, it, too. It, it is here. It is here. Don't mislead people. Don't say things that the, cons- the Supreme Court didn't say and say it has said and hope that I'm going to just uh, uh, close my eyes to this. The the, the Supreme Court of Appeal was very clear on this matter. It said that uh, the decision, such a decision that you are articulating, uh, which must take into account the amount of time President Zuma has spent on parole, whether how much of that must be factored into uh, the whole thing of incarceration, uh, as it were. Uh, has to be taken by the correctional uh, services. So they didn't make such a decision. So it's. No, no, that's okay. I'm not a legal notion.
2: expert. Got, I've got a legal expert who will be coming on now to interpret what the Supreme Court of Appeal said. That I can in take that time. you feel that I'm misleading no, no, people. No, no, Just hold on. I want to meantime. move on to something else, though. Uh-uh, if you give me a chance. Uh-uh. No, okay, no. Go I'm ahead.
5: not giving you a chance. <laughs> go a chance. ahead, in the meantime, In the meantime, you must read the judgment as it stands instead of importing your own incorrect. Bigger importations.
2: All right. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Moving right along. Your comment on, I just want your comment also on the convenience. I know you've already said your piece about how people are saying that the timing is questionable, but the the, the former president was in Zimbabwe not too long ago, about a week or so ago, uh, representing Belarus at the Africa Voluntary Carbon Credits Forum. Was it not? I mean, the judgment then comes out in a second. I know you've said your piece already, but just to also comment on that.
5: Yeah, no. Look, it's almost like a pre-emptive question. You say this is the whole thing about sickness. Sickness does not let you know that. Listen here, yeah, next week you'll be sick or whenever it just happens. Yes, indeed, you was in Zimbabwe. Uh, yes, indeed, you had a great time in Zimbabwe. No arguments about that. But thereafter, things happened. That's what happened. Especially at that age. No, yeah, I take it anything. At that,
6: that age, things happened, Yeah.
2: I take it. Thank you so much. That's Mzone Lemangi, the Jacob Zuma Foundation spokesperson, saying we must not insert our own interpretation and our own understanding of what transpired. We will have a legal expert joining us to try and dissect that. From what I understand, he must go back to jail. The commissioner must still make up his mind as to what needs to happen. However, that little caveat, from what I understand, still needs to happen, but we'll get clarity on that. And, of course, he's bashing everyone who wants to question the timing of the sickness, but you can't blame people per se, can you?
0: The Midday Report
5: Zuma, amongst other criminals in this country Have an incredible ability to become ill At critical times when they have to appear in court Or have to answer to the law Leonard and Hermana's.
6: Good morning, CD My name is Nkosna uh, I'm hearing that the lawyers of uh, Nandi Pamakutumana Are saying she couldn't have She can't give consent to something that is illegal. Uh, did she not give consent to helping Tawa escape in, from prison? Like, what are they trying to say when they say she can't give consent to something that is illegal? She gave consent to whatever she was doing with Tawa at the first place, which is why we are here.
2: Thank you very much for your voice notes. Keep them coming. The thing around the former president it's optics. You cannot ignore the optics. Joining me on the line now is legal expert Ntabi saying I need to try and help understand the issue around the former president a little bit better. Ntabisang, thank you so much for joining us. Good afternoon. Must he go back to jail, or does the decision have to wait <laughs> for a commissioner uh, in order from correctional services in order to happen? You might have heard there the spokesperson of the Jacob Zuma Foundation lambasting me, really, lambasting me for asserting my own. Interpretation of what the SCA said. Please help us understand a little bit of what the sequence of events should be going forward. So
7: basically the constitutional court has stated that, you know what, we are confirming what the SCA had said, that the release of Ndezuma on parole was not uh, done properly, was basically illegal, and therefore he ought to be remitted back to prison. However... We are leaving the decision of whether or not the sentence will be regarded as served in the hands of the commissioner. Now, when we look at how criminal law actually works, the day that you are handed down your sentence, that is when the clock starts ticking. In other words, so if you're given a a year sentence, from that moment, you start counting down the days. Even if you do reach your your half year um, sentence mark and you go on your normal parole, it doesn't have to be medical parole, the sentence continues. The reason behind this is because when you are released on parole, there are certain conditions that you still have to follow. So you need to still go back to the correctional services and report that you're still within the the area of jurisdiction, sign into their log because you're still serving your sentence. only difference is that you're not doing it within the bounds of the prison walls, you're doing it outside but you are still monitored. And once the balance of your sentence has been served, then you're free to go to do anything that you wish. So that still applied when the decision was re- released on medical parole. There were conditions that were sent, which means his sentence was still being carried out. In criminal procedure, a sentence doesn't pause and start again at a certain stage based on anything else apart from an appeal. So there's no appeal that was done pertaining to the sentence or whatever the case Maybe He was just released on parole so therefore by the time the SCA actually did give its ruling wherein he ought to have been remitted back into prison that was already moot because the 15-month sentence had already passed at that time so it is basically like the constitutional court is saying yeah hot potato cold potato yes we agree that he should go back but we don't want to commit ourselves to say that he should start the sentence again so
2: we're throwing it into your hands as the commissioner to deal with it. So what's the likelihood of of what happens next, based on what you just said to me? Because I now foresee some of the concerns we had back in 2021 where there might have to be an order, maybe not an order, or maybe the correctional services will say, enough done, enough said, and let it go. But that opens the door for the opposition to return to the courts. Well, not necessarily. The only reason that the opposition would go back
7: to court was to request that the Constitutional Court rescind its judgment, there's nowhere else to go beyond the Constitutional Court. So what they've spoken, they've spoken. So if the, commission, uh, sorry, the Commissioner makes the decision to say, you know what, his time is served, it's done and dusted, then let's move on, then that's that. If opposition wants to now take it back to the Constitutional Court to rescind um, its judgment, they have to show that the Constitutional Court was completely flawed in how they analyzed the facts of the case and they missed the cert- Point and as a result, that decision has to be rescinded. But here is the tricky part in that situation. We are here already because the constitutional court was the one that made this particular ruling in the mm. first place, you know. So if they were to rescind this judgment, not in a manner of speaking, they rescinded the original judgment. I think that is the Main reason that they threw this back into the hands of the commissioner instead of them dealing with it. Because if you remember back then when the sentence was given, in the legal field at least, it was such a jaw-dropping sentence because we had never heard of it. Absolutely. An acu- you know, whenever an accused person does not appear in, in, in front of a magistrate on the day they're supposed to, what happens on the next appearance like that an inquiry is held, we ask, the magistrate ask or the judge ask, why didn't you appear, then a reason is given. If the presiding officer is happy with the reason, they they, they get rid of the warrant and we continue with the matter. If the presiding officer is not happy with the reason, what tends to happen is that it's a caution and discharge, and then life goes on. We had never heard
2: a situation whereby somebody for failure to appear in court gets sentenced to fifteen months. Absolutely, thank you so much. That's legal expert in Tuba When she speaks about that jaw-dropping moment in 2021, I must say to you, yesterday there was a bit of nervous energy in the air following the court judgment, with journalists even journalists calling me going Madia. Where are we now? Are we going back to 2021? That's how traumatised we were as a nation by what we saw happening in this country in 2021. So that when a moment like this happens around the former president, people get jittery and don't know what that means for the nation uh, as it stands. The midday report. brandwater has completed its planned maintenance. It was meant to be a 50. Eight hours shutdown, which started around seven on Tuesday, and it has come to an end from what I understand at five in the morning. Joining me now is Maki no Maru from Randwater to speak about this. I don't know if you at home have running taps again, if your taps even run dry at all. I've been doing call outs every day of the shutdown to ask if people are struggling, and I wasn't really Getting a lot of response. I felt like people still had running water, but I also hear that it depends on where you are. With high level, high laying areas struggling a little bit more. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Makinosi. The maintenance work is done, but have you warned? Uh, but you've warned rather some of these areas that they'll only get water much later as the reservoirs fill up. Correct.
7: Correct. Good afternoon, Sidyes. We we have completed the maintenance work. Uh, but uh, we, the system will take time to recover. Like you indicated, the high lying areas will take a couple of days for uh, for the system to fully fully recover.
2: And then, just going forward, though, going forward, do you foresee these kind of maintenance works happening more frequently, even sooner, where it's wide, it's so wide, um, wide ranging, and takes this much time in order to deal with the issues around this infrastructure of water in the in the in the, in the city. To
7: the, yes, we, we are going to have uh, maintenance projects because they do form part of rainwater's maintenance strategy. Obviously, they would vary uh, area by area. For this one, it had to be longer because there, is, there was quite a lot of work that was being done at different sites. But we will be communicating and we will give municipalities ample time to make the necessary plans in terms of really dispatching water tankers should there be a need for it.
2: Mike, you know, see, during the operation, have you ever uncovered anything else that might need more attention, either now or in the near future, as again, as far as the infrastructure is concerned? I know that there are big questions about the amount of people that ought to be serviced by the infrastructure uh, as the population grows in the city of Joburg. Uh,
7: we we did not discover anything uh, new during this maintenance project, but we are in conversation with uh, different municipalities that we supply water with. So we get their daily demands, and we are able to meet those demands. As demands changes, we, we we engage and we see how we can meet each other halfway.
2: And again, some areas will only start getting their water, the full uh, experience of their water running through their taps, a few days from now, depending on when the reservoirs fill up. That's correct. All right, thank you so much. That's Makino Ru from Rand Water giving us an update. Remember, they had 50... Eight hours of a shutdown across parts of Joburg. Um, I've been asking, has the water been coming through your taps? Did you even experience the shutdown or did you not? Do you have water not uh, coming out of your taps still? The work comprised of activities at Aikenhof and Zwartkopis. These are the pumping stations that were affected, as well as for and the Bosch water treatment plants. And again, the work was completed at five this morning.
0: The midday report. Good day, TD.
2: My question is regarding Jimmy Many or Muzwanele Many. Since he's now the member of parliament for the EFF, should he carry on being the spokesperson for Jacob Zuma Foundation? Can someone being allowed to burn both sides of the candle? Thanks, David. Good day, CD. If you submit
4: a leave, a sick leave, you call your employer and say, I'm not able to come in because I'm sick and they approve your sick leave. Snake Jiggy Jiggy you then put on Instagram on WhatsApp status kayaking and doing skydiving on the same day. It's a dismissible offence. So people cannot say he's sick when it suits them. Then the following day he he, he, he can go and do skydiving. No. The sick is sick and when you are well, we see by your actions.
2: Thank you very much for your voice. notes keep them coming. And that's the thing, though. But you also heard Ms. el preempting that he knows very well that there'll be a question that's asked about the timing of the former president's illness, that he takes ill now. We saw images of him just, just last week in Zimbabwe. In fact, he at some point said that the former president went to, to Russia for treatment last week. But last week, we saw him at a conference participating and representing Belarus, and now you're hearing that he's ill. The timing is always questionable. And as you say, that if you're saying this, should be a voice note. But in his words, he said that he's not a Sangoma, right? That's what he said to us. Other stories that we are keeping our eye on is, of course, what happened with Dr. Nandipa Kutumana. And remember, the issue of the trucks hasn't necessarily left us. The truck drivers are still an issue in terms of the torching that we saw at the beginning of the week. We'll talk a little bit about that. Nkanka Mabaso from Eyewitness News is on the end, too, from what I understand. We'll chat to him about some of the conversations. We've got Orin Singh as well from EWN, who spoke to us about what's happening but at the same time police have nabbed their third suspect today saying that they are netting in on those who are responsible for what we saw on the n2 on the n3 along parts of mpumalanga between Petrofit Petrotif and ermelo as well as what we saw in limpopo they say that they are netting on and i think former president not former the current president has also made comments about what's happening and again At this time of the year, following the July unrest, the country tends to be quite jittery and quite nervous because we don't have any trust in terms of our national security and what our government is doing to service that. The Midday Report. You're still listening to the Midday Report with myself, C.D. Madia, standing in for Mandy Wiener. Police have apprehended at least three suspects in connection with the torching of trucks in the country. Remember, they've set up a multidisciplinary team to investigate the matter. The first arrests were made yesterday in Pomalanga. But as they attempt to clamp down on the people responsible for the attacks, truck drivers themselves are still reeling because they're the ones confronted with guns while on duty. Listen to this driver speaking to E.W.'s in. About his recent experience,
6: I'm not feeling okay. I'm not feeling okay at
7: all. That's why I'm telling you that our president had to pick up his socks and fix this thing. Talking that street, there's no future. My future is six feet under underground. Cause now I'm scared thing happened to me, I was very scared. Some other guy put the stone on my window, in the passenger window. When he threw that stone, I, I try to turn. I want to check what's wrong? When I check if he stole or something, and, and then I, I come blind in my eyes. I can't see what is going on, and then I open my, my door and run. Next time when I drive the truck, they, they're gonna come and shoot us. Because they, they show us that they have their guns. And our company they don't ask, they allow us to come with the guns on the tracks. So the government had to prove itself and hear what the people of South Africa, what they're saying.
2: That's a truck driver whose voice has been altered of course to try and protect his identity. Speaking to EWN's Orange, saying about what they're experiencing. Um, I think he went on earlier to speak about wanting to be given a gun. And I kept thinking to my head, what happens though if you're um, truck drivers? That's not a door you actually want to open either because that too could possibly lead to a range of adverse imp- um, consequences for them and the country as well. To continue with that story, I'm joined now by Mabaso, EWN reporter I was on the Into highway between Mpangeni and Mandeni, Nkanta. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, The truckers, from what I understand, have been camped on the highway close to where the incident that was reported earlier this week took place.
6: Well, indeed, this is uh, one area that they would camp at for days and even spend weeks here as they wait to go into that uh, Richards Bay port. But some of them camp here just as. Based off some of them would have been traveling from Japan, Eastern Cape, or how uh, headed to Switzerland, uh, that's the border gate, and then the Bay uh, border uh, gate. This is where they actually came. To the end. This morning, I would just pay them as, as, just to speak to them about some of their experiences really on their own. Some of the truck drivers say that it's very unsafe, given the fact that they get marked by people uh, who, you know, by criminals. Actually, here on the N2 highway, they get robbed of their phone, they get robbed of uh, their blankets. You would know that some of these trucks have actually have a bed just behind the driver's seat, so that's where they sleep when resting. They say those blankets get stolen, and leaving them without blankets and during this cold time. But most intriguingly, I spoke to one truck driver asking to say. This incident of the torching of two trucks recently happened, not welcome with your part. Now, are you actually scared for your life? How do you feel about this? He, his response is something I did not expect. He says he's actually not even scared, given the fact that this is actually caused by some of the truck drivers, he say who are raising concerns and who are unhappy with the employer. <laughs>
2: What have they said as possible solutions? These are the people who are front-facing or dealing with this who are being attacked in the evening. And as you said, once, said he's not necessarily afraid. But what are they saying could be the right solutions to help
6: bring these attacks to an end? Well, he, he says if the, the, the with the other attacks, where they actually get marked by criminals, they say something should be done. You'd recall yesterday the provincial government also had a briefing saying that... Uh, uh, after the municipality comes to the race, control, but they do not have, they do not actually have enough law enforcement agencies to attend to. The sense why now we've seen the deployment of various police, both from national and the province, including the National Defence Force in areas like the n Moy River. But according to truck drivers, there needs to be that clear police visibility where they would then not be attacked by the so-called criminals. But with the torching of trucks, he said, CD, one of the drivers I spoke with, him, who, I who I can't mention because of protecting his identity, he said with the torching of trucks, it may be something that cannot be stopped anytime soon. As he says, some of these unhappy drivers are actually planning this to, to support touch. They are in, uh, in a bit to raise this concerns. They are concerns about, you mm-hmm. know, the, the working hours and the, what he referred to as a low income that they're getting paid, right. he says... Nothing must
2: be done. all right, thank you so much that's some Laso from EWN, news on the n2 highway between Mpangangani and Mandeni, and he speaks about how they say the torching of trucks will continue. There was an interministerial task team in 2020 uh, this was after eighty four trucks were torched in a space of two months. so we've been here before at the time there were issues about African migrants working as drivers. That conversation continues even now. the midday report. Thousands queued up in a desperate search for opportunities in June. This is, of course, when the Gauteng government launched its Nazi, Nazi Spani jobs campaign. It was launched on June the 16th as the country commemorated the 47th anniversary of the youth uprisings. Premier Panyaza Lusufi was in mid earlier giving an update. On this particular campaign, joining me now in studio is EWN's Alpha Ramoswana, who was at the briefing. Alpha, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Thousands queued up in a desperate search for opportunities. Let's speak about the response to government's call uh, for, for CVs.
8: Well, TD, I think thousands uh, is a bit of an understatement because today the Premier mentioned that the provincial government received over 1.2 million job applications uh, for the Nazispani campaign. And you would recall that uh, it had only advertised about 8,000 posts. So the provincial government today uh, held a media briefing saying that it's going to try by all means to ensure that the unsuccessful candidates will be placed elsewhere with the assistance, of course, of the private sector. They'll also approach... Uh, uh, the IEC and uh, other institutions that can hire large amounts of people. So uh, it, it, it is quite shocking that uh, the unemployment rate is this high. It is showing that uh, the provincial government will indeed have to do more in order to address uh, this high unemployment rate. But let's take a listen to what the premier had to say about some of those who won't be uh, uh, successful when it comes to these job applications.
5: And I think that's the reason why we've taken a decision. No one will get a red letter from us. Uh, we'll package them according to their skills um, and then give them the necessary training. There are others that we believe we can give them a buzzer to go and finish their studies at the university. Uh, it will assist them. Uh, instead of looking for a job, we are. We run a 400 million bazaar scheme as the helping government. Four hundred million. So within there, we really believe we can identify people that are. And that's why we said to MEC Maile, go to training institutions of government that are looking for people. Uh, we are going to give them this database. Instead of them going to advertise and recruiting, we have already done that. Remove from this. We are going to target institutions that have the potential to take large numbers.
2: Alpha, this initiative has come with a lot of criticism. I'm thinking about the EFF a few weeks ago saying this is about ANC members giving ANC card-carrying members opportunities. This week, Action SA has also asked for um, access to the records of this entire process. Again, complaining that this is about the ANC's campaign ahead of 2024. What did he say about that? Did you put that question to him?
8: Yes, well, of course, TD, he, uh, he did answer that question. Of course, he Dismissed these claims from the, uh, the Action SA and the EFF That this is to enhance the A campaign For the year of 2024 The Premier says even if this is to Enhance the A campaign at least people Are being employed in the process And that is what this campaign is for So he is uh, disputing the fact that uh, Or the claims that uh, this is for The ANC's campaign
2: right, Thank you so much, that's Alpha Ramushwana from the EWN team Giving us an update on that Nasi Spani project that's being led by Premier Panyaz Ali Sufi
0: The Midday Report
2: Yesterday, Ruth Nkakosa, the second deputy president of NUMSA and president of SAFTU, held a media briefing. We also spoke to her on the show. She was raising a series of issues. She said she was expelled through a hearing that was heard and concluded in her absence. She was denied legal representatives by the special central committee when she appealed to it. She wasn't allowed, and um, the legal representatives were only allowed observer status. She's also raised issues about how it was unfair and arbit- arbitrary procedures that were ignored. Um, um, the issues that she's raised, rather, that it's unfair and unprocedural were ignored. She also said that it was unconstitutional conduct, uh, being disciplined through the wrong structures. Of course, Noomsa itself had written a letter to Safdu earlier this week informing it of its decision to expel her, flagging that as she's an office bearer... She- In essence she should not hold that position Because she doesn't belong to the affiliate anymore This is of course as per the constitution Uh, We speak now To NUMSA spokesperson Pagamile Kribi Machola Pagamile thank you so much for joining me Ruth Nkakose is adamant That she will be fighting this to the bitter end Saying that it's been unfair Procedurally speaking And that she's been dealt with in absentia Your reaction to the comments She made yesterday I don't know if you can hear me, Pagamile. Hoping to get Pagamile on the line where Ruth Kakotse was attempting to set the record straight yesterday, saying that NUMSA has been spreading, publicly even, spreading malicious, distorted sequence of events around the procedures leading to expulsion. There's been such a back and forth around this issue that as soon as I was done with Ruth on the radio, I was getting calls from people in Saftu who were saying that actually... It's Noomsa that is incorrect, that Ruth Tintakwase is exposing lifestyle issues to workers and that she must continue with the fight. We'll get Pagamila up and as soon as we get her back up, she'll be on the radio to give their right of reply to the briefing.
0: The Midday Report.
2: We are edging closer and closer to the Netball World Cup. It's taking place in Cape Town from the 28th of this month until the 6th of August. And I think there's some good news, at least on the tourism front, around this particular tournament. Joining me now is Tandiwe Matibay. I was the General Manager of Global PR and Communications and Stakeholder Relations at SA Tourism. Tandiwe, thank you so much for joining us. This is a major and necessary boost for economy, isn't it?
1: uh hello cd and hello to all the listeners absolutely it is it really is i mean our country is open after three years of the COVID 19 pandemic we are hosting big events and obviously this one is the first time that we host here and we are really excited uh, about it especially also that we want to uh, celebrate our women
2: thank you so much in terms of expectations um what are we looking
1: at as a host um, as a host, we're looking to welcome people from various parts of the world. Obviously, the various teams that are going to come from various countries, and their supporters and fans and family that are going to come there. What is also important for us is that these people are going to come not only to experience the netball, but also the hospitality services that we've got, our restaurants, you know, our tourism experiences and offerings, and that is what we're looking at.
2: We don't have. Do we have a tally of how many people, in terms of numbers, will be flocking to the country?
1: At this point, not, but we do know that the, the, the economic impact of certain event is within the millions into, into the economy of the Western Cape and Cape Town. And of course, we are also encouraging the visitors to also get on and, and explore various other parts of the country.
2: And then, what's on offer? I know that there is a, there was a poll very recently that said that we're the best tourist destination in the world. Particularly, Cape Town is the best city in the world in terms of what we always have an offer for people to experience in our country. Um, if we were to list about three things very quickly,
1: are the people? Everybody loves South Africans, and everybody <laughs> is great. always saying how warm and welcoming <laughs> we are. The value for money. Everybody comes here and they're like, oh, look how far my pound can stretch. Absolutely. And of course, our wide diversity of things that people can do in South Africa. I'm currently out in the Drunkenberg. I am in awe of the beauty of our country. And this is a walk. So South Africans, are, I mean, uh, people that are coming from various parts of the world are always looking for wide open spaces. And South Africa's got a lot of that to offer. All right. Thank
2: you so much. That's Tandu Ematibela, the General Manager Global PR and Communications and Stakeholder Relations at SA Tourism, saying that it's the people. We are
1: amazing.
0: The midday report.
1: That's a wrap of the day's news. Don't forget you can catch the full midday report live on 702 and Cape Talk via our streams on YouTube and our website 702.co.za and CapeTalk.co.za. Keep checking in for updates from my colleagues at Eyewitness News. Till the next time, I'm Mandy Wiener.
0: The midday report.